So glad you're here. So glad you're here. Um, as I said, you're going to be hearing more about this. God bless you, buddy. Um, there's some... Uh, Oh, you need this. Okay, good. I thought we were going to leave that. Um, the offering, by the way, Children's Church, you can now, vamos, go ahead. If you're in Route 56, if, if you're in fifth or sixth grade, that door, um, youth room, that's what we're talking about. Okay, great. Looking forward to that. I just want to tell you, like we pass around these silver plates, and what's that about? I want to tell you. You know what we're going to do with that? We're going to give it. We're going to give it away. We, we, we aren't about building um, huge, huge things, um, blinging out everything. Um, it's not what we're about, okay? We want to send more financial support to, to Karen and Mark. It's been modest up to this point. We, we want to overwhelm them, okay? We, we have other people in other parts of the world that we partner with for the gospel. We want to overwhelm them. We want to overwhelm the people of this community, not just the people who come to church here or anywhere else. God's love is not limited to the people who come to church on Sunday, who name his name. He loves all. So we're always looking. We're always looking. We, we count on you to bring us needs you know, whether it's in your own life, in your neighborhoods, in parts of the city that, or the college, the university, that, that, that we don't usually go. We want to go there. Um, last week, maybe five to seven cords of wood was cut, split, stacked, delivered for a widow. She, she's she's going to be set. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Also, um, you know, Bethany was doing, you know, we were, you guys, you guys were the major donors more than the city, more than for the Anna's Pledge bicycle thing, okay? That's huge. That's huge. Freezers of love, that kind of stuff. We want to, we want to just bless people. We want to be living, breathing examples of the love that Jesus has for them. See, he's done so much for us. Whatever we do, it's just, just, just like a, it's a chip shot. He gets out Big Bertha and come on, right? So I, I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for what you do. We got more stuff we need to do to show his love. I'm going to be sending this around. Judy Mogul, uh, she's not here this morning. She might be at the, she coming at the 1030? Yeah, we'll see that she does. Um, Judy is having some kidney problems. So if we really believe what we say about the body of Christ, one person has kidney problems, we all have kidney problems, right? We share, we bear one another's burdens. So, um, we have a way on the newsletter for you to get tested um, to see whether one of us God has given a compatible kidney to, right? But she's got to go for dialysis to, um, to Montrose. So um, this is a sign-up sheet um, for you to perform dialysis on her. No, it isn't. Um, she, needs to, she needs to actually go to Montrose. Uh, it looks like three times a week. All right, to get this, the appointments start at like one o'clock. They'll probably run, what, two to four hours? Yeah, it's right by J.C. Penney's in Montrose. So, you know, great retail while she's kind of getting the blood thing done. And then you drive back, you can show her what you bought. For her, maybe, I don't know. Um, but she needs that love, okay? You can sign up, take her. Um, another thing, we have... I'm, when I talk about widows, uh, I, I don't want to give like three sermons. I've done it in the past, but I don't want to do that today. Um, God's word says that the church, he becomes the husband to the widow, okay? That means us. We have a, a widow in our midst that is about to lose her house. Not on our watch, okay? That doesn't happen when there's love. That doesn't happen when there's Jesus, okay? What needs to happen between now and probably, I'm gonna give you specifics like mid-November, okay? That's like the drop dead date. We're not letting her house be put up for auction, okay? This is gonna take probably twelve to $14,000 that we don't have budgeted, but we're gonna find it. We're gonna find it in our hearts. We're gonna find it somehow I'm not going to call her out because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but you are not going to be homeless. That ain't happening. 
God's love doesn't permit that. Okay, so you'll be hearing more about that. But I want it, if God is moving on your heart about, about helping that effort, we're going we're gonna to rock and roll. Um, Jay McMurrin, before we dive in, I, I just saw you. Where are you, bud? Oh, yeah, right there. He has some, uh, something important he wants to share, and then we're going we're gonna to go. We're going to go, you see. This doesn't count against the message time. Go. This will only take a second. Um, I want to let you know what the men are doing in uh, uh, Bethany. Uh, first of all, we do have a group that gets together every Wednesday morning, 6.30, down, uh, not downstairs, um, usually right here or right out there. We're doing the uh, Book of Samuel, studying the life of David right now. And uh, my belief is that men's work is done on a regular basis, getting together, doing life together. But we have had some thoughts and some requests to do a event. So we're going to do an event, and we thought about doing a retreat, but instead we decided we're, we've retreated enough. We're going to do a men's advance. And it's going to be November 9th through the 11th up at Camp Red Cloud. Uh, it's going to include two nights, uh, two and a half days. Uh, there's going to be a study led by uh, Neil Cohen. There's going to be uh, plenty of activities, including rappelling, ropes course, uh, horseback riding, mountain biking, hiking. We're even going to shoot guns. So you can't get more guy than that. So I'll be uh, out the, uh, the, the exit of the church the next couple of weekends trying to Get some folks signed up, and if you have any questions, you can call me. I've got my number right here, or you can talk to me right out here. All right? God Thanks. bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you. You know, uh, I'm, I'm all well and good about being at like a chick church, you know, because I'm a magnet. Um, but you know what changes families? You know what changes cities? You know what changes countries? You know what changes the kingdom? is when husbands and brothers and dads and sons lead, lead. They take a stand and they say, as for me and my house, that's where we're going. All right, so men, it's time to man up. We're gonna do this. I'm gonna be out of the country, so I won't be able to join you, but you don't need me. Um, Couple of other things, very exciting. Caricia Johnson, um, she's having a baby. This is so cool, right? We got babies like happening in our church. That's a sign of, uh, of health. Um, baby shower. So um, today, two o'clock right here, okay? College lunch after this. I, I saw what was going on there. Uh, no, after the 1030. So you guys come back if, you, if you're here. Apparently, they got the memo. So they're coming at the 1030. But we got to get you out of the parking lot before they come in. Okay, couple of things. Um, one, one thing. Next Sunday, we're going to, this place is your NFL ticket, okay? After the 1030 service. You see these three screens? They work independently. They're HD. They're huger than anything you're going to find in town. We got different games on every screen, okay? You are going to see it happening here, you know? <laughs> Food is going to be provided. Bring your own bevies, um, the Broncos, you know, God willing, will always be one of those games, but lots of fun. Come here, bring your friends, you know, good, good chance for them to come and not get creeped out in church. So um, it's going to be a, gr- a great time. That starts next week. Also, tomorrow night, um, Community Church, we love our, our, our friends over there, our brothers and sisters. They're doing this big tent revival, right? Okay, they called everybody in town that they knew, and apparently they weren't home. Uh, so they asked me to speak tomorrow night. Um, it's a dinner, like at 5.30, and then there's praise and worship. It's in a tent out there, right? And then, like, I speak. And I would like to bring, like, my peeps, my posse, you know? <laughs> you're kind of going over there. You So if you're feeling so inclined, I want to invite you over there. It's a potluck, so if you're coming at 5.30 to eat, Please bring something to share, and um, uh, that's, that's that. You say, well, the Broncos are playing on Monday Night Football. Well, then you know I won't run long. So there you go. Okay, you know about it. We're doing it. Good morning. Welcome home. Here we go. This is week two of our Jesus is Greater series. Jesus is Greater. Is that a cool logo? I, I, it's all I can do, Josh, not to go out and get a tad of that right now, just to add to my collection. 
It's beautiful. Jesus is greater. That's what we're in. And today is week two. And it's probably a sermon you've heard many, many, many times. Jesus is greater than getting crunk. Okay. That was, that was a joke. But uh, for those of you my generation or older, crunk means crazy drunk. Okay? So uh, that's what we're studying. Ephesians 5.18 is where we're going to start off this morning. So if you have a Bible, I want you to turn to, please, Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verse 18. If you have a phone and you have the uh, version free Bible app, this morning we are launching a live event. Okay, what that means is there's special resources on there that you can use to follow along and participate in the service. There's uh, questions to answer. All the scriptures are there. There's a poll. There's a place for you to take notes. And in the future, we're going to be incorporating more of these. So if you have a phone and you have the U version, I'm going to tell you how to access this real quick. Go to the U version app, okay? Get the, um, get the menu screen and click on live. Click on live right now, okay? After you click on live, you'll get a screen with a search bar up top. What you need to type into there is Gunnison Bethany. No spaces. Gunnison Bethany, B-T-H-A-N-Y. When you select that, when you search that, you'll get a choice of live events. And the top one is Jesus is greater than getting crunk. All you do is highlight that and click it. It'll load and you'll, have, you'll, be, you'll be good to go. Um, it'll have everything that you can do. Um, I'll point out some things that you can participate with. And then at the end, you can email everything, your notes and the scriptures and all the things included uh, to yourself so that you can keep a folder um, and do that. Okay, so if it loads up, you should see Jesus is greater than series number two, and then it says a better buzz, okay? That's what we're looking at. Okay, good. Now, um, a quick but important disclaimer before we get started. In some Baptist churches, I'd be tarred and feathered and kicked out for the message I'm about to share with you. Um, Here's why. Because some Christians would um, want me to tell you that alcohol in any form, in any quantity, in any context is evil, is like the devil's juice, is um, always bad, and that good Christians, real Christians, should and will never touch a drop, okay? The only problem with that is the Bible. The Bible, that's not biblical, Um, I know that there are people who do gymnastics around the fact that this meant this and this meant that, but we cannot make God's word say something that it does not, regardless of what our personal feelings are. Ultimately, as, as a pastor, as a preacher, I am going to answer to God for whether or not I share his word correctly. I have to care more about that than telling people what they want to hear. Now, if you were young and you're somewhat rebellious and inwardly you're like celebrating, yeah, go town. I want you to know this also applies to next week when I tell you that under no circumstances should you be hooking up or banging your girlfriend or boyfriend, okay? Oh, snap, cuts both ways. Okay, we bring the word of God, it presses on our hearts, and, and we do, you know, we know he's leading us into life and joy, and that's what, we, that's what we want. We want him. Okay, now, so like many other things, including food, including sex, including money, including the internet, alcohol is a morally neutral thing, okay? What we do with it determines whether we use it for a blessing as God intended or whether we use it to accommodate sin, okay, and, and distance from him and, 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 and rebellion against him. Now, um, if we have some friends here, um, we have people that come here who are addicted to 
every possible kind of thing. And I'm grateful for that because Jesus sets us free and you're welcome here. But for those of you who are addicted to alcohol or alcoholics, I can say without hesitation that you should not, um, you should not touch this stuff, not a drop. You know, um, it's not been set free um, for you as of yet, okay? Um, and, and so we in love never want to make it difficult for somebody who abstains by necessity or abstains by choice. We don't want to make it out of love um, a temptation for them. But that does not mean that we don't live in the freedom that Christ has purchased for us, right? So if you're underage, I just want to say this. If you're underage and you're drinking, um, Jesus says this. He, he, he lived in a very corrupt um, government. And he said, obey the government. Okay, obey the authority, the earthly authority over you. Okay, unless it contradicts with his word, particularly in who to worship, okay? So we, we, want to, we want to obey that. We want to obey that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, but bottom line, if you're of age and you drink responsibly, I respect that. If you're a teetotaler and you don't touch the stuff, I, I respect that. The Bible respects that. Here's what we can't do, and here's what many Christians do do. We can't make our personal moral decisions a litmus test uh, for what a Christian is or is not, okay? We can't make our personal convictions that are not necessarily biblical mandates, we can't press that on other people and make that a litmus test. We can't do that, especially when the Bible clearly says that it's permissible to partake responsibly. I remember when, when they were talking to me about taking this position, I was upfront about the fact they said, do you, do you ever drink? I said, yeah. I, I, I occasionally, I, I, you know, I like that. I, I, I do that. I, I, I want to do it uh, biblically and responsibly. And, 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 you know, okay, okay. Well, several weeks after they hired me, the elders pulled me aside on a Sunday morning and said, Tom, don't worry, we're talking about, they, they all left the church except for Roy Craner, praise God for him. Um, they said, Tom, um, we have a problem. I said, well, what, what's the problem? They said, well, we saw your car parked out in front of wet grocer. I, and, and knowing what they meant, I said, oh, um, what's the matter? Does um, High Mountain have better prices? <laughs> and they said, you know, you, you know and say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not all sanctified yet. Um, they said, do you know what it would look like if people knew that our pastor drinks? I said, yeah, it might look like Jesus. Okay, so I'm not pushing it. I'm not pushing alcohol, but I want you to know that he was accused of the same thing, and I'm not putting myself on the level of Jesus. I'm just saying we, we have this thing where it's more important what other people think of us than what our God thinks of us, all right? So let's go to the word of God. Um, let's get this straight. As we look in the word of God, the New Testament begins, at least in the gospel of John, with a wedding party. Now, Jesus shows up because he's been invited. Why? Because it's not a party unless Jesus shows up, right? It's a wedding party where they have run out of wine, and Jesus apparently sees this as a problem. So he miraculously makes, get this, between 120 and 180 gallons gallons of top drawer, top shelf wine. Not Mad Dog 2020, if they still make that stuff. Not box wine, not screw cap, the good stuff. The good stuff. So that the maitre d' goes to the bridegroom and says, what are you thinking? When you have stuff like this, you serve it first while your guest taste buds are still firing on all cylinders so they can enjoy it. You don't serve it last. The Bible the New Testament ends, and we'll get that in our study of Revelation, which we'll go back to after this Jesus is Greater series. It ends with another feast, a wedding party, the wedding feast of the Lamb, which Isaiah writes about in Isaiah 25, 6. He writes, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples, all his peoples, a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged, what? 
wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined, in case you missed it the first time, the good stuff. Not to be abused, not to be an occasion of sin, but to be a blessing. Psalm, I think it's 104, says, God has given us wine to gladden men's hearts, not to inebriate them, okay? Okay, so end of the disclaimer. Here we go. We better get into our main scripture or we're going to blend the services and we can't do that. Ephesians 5, 18. If you're on the U version, let's start there. Let's read that verse together. It's really easy. I just want to read that first part up to debauchery. Okay, let's do it together. And do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. Okay, stop there. Stop there. Now, I can hear some of you saying, no problem for me. I hate wine. I'm a Jagerbaum guy myself. This means all alcohol, Sporto, all of it. Do not get drunk with alcohol. Now, um, now to be sure, this will make some of our teetotaler friends happy. There are a lot of people who experiment with alcohol who can't carry that kind of weapon, okay? You're just not up for it. Obviously, moderation is not in your vocabulary. You don't intend for it to be. So there are a lot of people who are drinking who don't have the maturity to do it right, to do it as a blessing without doing it as a sin. If that's you, you need to take note of that. You need to press in and love Christ more than you love uh, a buzz. So here we go. Um, Just an aside, because I'm not gonna get to this in the text. It doesn't specifically talk about this. But body shots are never okay unless you're married to the shot glass. You got me? Okay, all right, we're there. But notice there is a clear difference between drinking and partaking in a responsible manner and getting drunk. What this passage is talking about is drinking to the point where it impairs your judgment, when you cannot make good decisions, when you lose control of your thoughts, your words, your actions, your coordination. I know that some of you may be thinking, you say losing control as if that's a bad thing. That's what I like about having a drink. Well, no, here's why it's a bad thing. First, and in general, If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he and he alone is to be in control of your thoughts, your words, your actions, your intentions, your coordination, not yourself, and certainly not Captain Morgan, Sailor Jerry, or the St. Pauli girl. Do you get me? Okay, so losing control is what we're all about. But we're about 24-7 losing control to the Holy Spirit of Jesus And as I said, that's what God is saying. It's a better buzz. It's a better buzz. Okay, so um, why specifically do we not get drunk according to this passage? For that leads to debauchery. Debauchery. Now, we don't use that word a lot in our culture, so I'll define it for you. Extreme and unreasonable involvement in physical pleasures. Extreme indulgence in sensuality. In other words... Sin. Um, When you get drunk, you do whatever feels good. And whatever feels good is not necessarily good. When you get drunk, bad things happen. Bad things happen. We're throwing open the door and we're opening our arms to say, bring the bad, bring the wreckage. That's why it's like getting trashed, right? That's what we call it. Oh, I'm gonna get destroyed. Yeah, you are. And the Bible is clear about this. It's not shy about this. I mean, we don't have to go to all these studies. God told us thousands of years ago, Genesis 9, Noah has just parked the ark, right? The the storm is over, the rainbow, the the dove, everything. He goes out, he he plants vineyards, he he makes wine, and he gets trashed. He gets drunk, and he starts, he falls asleep, and his clothes are gone. He's naked. Apparently, when you get drunk, your clothes have a, have a tendency to fall off. Some of you know this. Bad things happen. Bad things happen. Noah has three sons. One of them, Ham, sees his father naked and does something shameful to him. Okay? We're not told specifically. We're not told specifically. It might involve like 
Sharpies or something. I don't know. I don't know. But he does something shameful to his father. His two other sons have compassion and wisdom and, and backing up to their father. They cover him over. And, and when, when Noah wakes up, he knows what's been done. He knows what's been done. And no doubt with a hangover, he pronounces a curse on the descendants of Ham. And he pronounces a blessing on the descendants of his other two sons. Bottom line, when everybody in the club getting tipsy, that's not a good thing because bad things happen. Now, 10 chapters later, Genesis 19, the Bible says again, Drunkenness leads to debauchery. Now, if you need to earmuff your kids, do it now because this is not for the squeamish, okay? It's in the Bible, though. Lot, Lot gets drunk two nights in a row. Lot has two daughters who are single and want to have babies. So knowing of their father's drunkenness, they decide, and don't send me emails. This is in the Bible. They're going to sleep with their father on successive nights and get pregnant. That's ugly stuff. That is ugly, ugly stuff. And the Bible isn't shy about the fact that drunkenness, when we release control of our lives to, from Jesus Christ, to the, to, from the Holy Spirit, to spirits, bad things happen. Some of you do not need to be Bible scholars to know this. You just have to be awake and go outside, Right? We've lived here 16, almost 16 years. In our small town, in our small university, there are young people who are no longer with us because of this, because of this. We have a young person who's recovering from a horrible brain injury right now because of this, because of this. Um, So... The center, uh, the U.S. Department of uh, Justice reports that when a violent crime happens between intimates, which means spouse on spouse or boyfriend on girlfriend or girlfriend on boyfriend, when a violent crime happens between intimates, in 65% of the cases, alcohol was a contributing factor. For all the traffic fatalities that we have in this country, 41% are attributable in part to alcohol abuse, okay? So God was right, surprise. When we get drunk, bad things happen. Bad things happen. And, and maybe you don't know the statistics. Maybe you don't know the scriptures. Maybe you know this through your personal experience. Maybe some of the most hurtful and harmful things that have ever been done to you or by you have been a result of Um, either you or somebody else um, getting drunk. And and God's heart is toward you. And and I just want to say, that is horrible. And and that is the bad news. If you have the you version, there's a a place in there now um, to answer a question, okay? And you could do that. But I want to go back to this verse. And I want us to know that any time, any time, God points out the bad news, it's because he has the good news for us. He doesn't just say, you're imprisoned. He tells us we're imprisoned so that we can come to him to get set free. He always brings the good news, and the good news is in the second half. So I want you to start with the but. With the but, okay? Read it with me. But be filled with the Spirit. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. That's going to harm you. That's going to harm other people. I got something better. I got a better buzz. Be filled with the Spirit. How about this? You like what alcohol does to you? What alcohol does for you? I've got a better buzz. How about me? How about you filling yourself up with me? How about me intoxicating you? How about me taking control of all of your senses? How about the God of the universe coursing through your bloodstream and taking control of your mind and your words and your actions in a way that you can never get a high out of something you could contain in a bottle or pour into a glass? How about me? So while he is not advocating absence of all alcohol and things like that, He's saying, you think this delivers? It doesn't deliver on the promise. It leads to destruction and death. I want to lead you into ever-increasing life. I got something better. 
So what we often do here is walk around the claims of God and kick the tires, right? So we're going to check that out. What does that look like? This is a little part of our message that would otherwise get me kicked out um, from other places. We're going to call it Jesus versus Jack. Jesus or Jack. What does that mean? We're going to see who can deliver on the promise. Jesus or Jack. Now, Jack, again, is symbolic of, of any alcohol. And, and yes, that's real. And no, I'm not sinning by bringing it into church. Okay. It's for illustrative purposes only. And there's not much gone. So, who can deliver on the promise, Jesus or Jack? Who can... Um, who can you turn to, what are you and I going to turn to for the solution, Jesus or Jack? Who is greater, Jesus or Jack? Now, if you're in the U version, there's a poll here. And polls are very cool because when we have it all dialed in, we're going to be able to show you how, how we feel as a group. And for those of you playing at home who don't have the U version, here's what the poll looks like so you can participate in your mind. You only have one choice um, of, of these things, and it reads like this. Don't worry, we can't track your answers. It's anonymous. It's just compiled. It's not going to have your picture up there, okay? But it'll let us, it, you know, by the end, if we do this right, um, we'll, see, we'll see how the poll goes. Here's what the poll says. What do you most often look for alcohol to do for you? You can only pick one. Here are the choices. Number one, make me feel good. Number two, help me fit in and be accepted. Number three, get me relaxed. Number four, to escape the garbage and pressure of my life. Number five, to ease the pain of my life of being me. This, in a sense, is uh, anesthesia, okay? And number six, lastly, to help me coke. Cope. Coke. Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, Wani, thank you. Excuse me. So make your choices now on your U version. Hit vote and then um, hit the button that says um, update results and we'll see what we get. We'll see what we get. Um, okay, I got to get to that section myself. We'll see what you're saying. We'll see what you're saying. Um, okay, here we go. See results. It takes a little while because I have a Blackberry. Um, all right. All right. Woo. Okay. Number one, number one, get me relaxed. Um, number two, uh, is a tie between, um, make me feel good and help me fit in and be accepted. We have votes all over, um, to escape the garbage and pressure on my life is tied with ease the pain of my life and then help me cope. Okay. So, um, good. Thank you. In, in the future, we'll be able to project these, and I won't have to tell you, just see the bars. Um, and, and so what we want to do is see for each one of those things who is greater, Jesus or Jack, to make me feel good, right? Um, how is Jack doing there? Well, Jack, can he make me feel good? Well, as long as you keep drinking him, as long as you keep drinking him. But um, when you stop that, um, it can make you feel worse. Some of you know of which I speak. Hello, toilet. Hello, hangover. Hello, strange person sleeping in my house. Hello, house that I don't know that I'm sleeping in. Right? Hello, problems that I tried to put away. Um, temporary. Temporary surface and fleeting. What about Jesus? Can he make you feel good? John 15, 11, Jesus says this. John 15, 11, Jesus says this. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Do you understand what, what full joy, fullness of joy that Jesus promises to bring? That means that you and I do not have any room for more joy, or you would explode, okay? Jack can't promise that. 
Jack can't deliver on that. So round one, Jesus one, Jack zero. Number two, help me fit in and be accepted. That was one of our top vote getters. If Jack gets you acceptance, it's changing you to get acceptance from your other drunk friends. So get this, whatever love and acceptance they give you is not for you, it's for a changed version of you. Stop playing and they may reject you. Some of you know this, right? Because they feel guilty. They don't need to feel guilty. They need to feel called to real joy. So that's what Jack can do. What can Jesus do about making me feel accepted? John 6, 37, Jesus says this. All, all the people that the Father gives me will come to me. If the Father gives you to Jesus, you're like, I'm my own person, I have my own, now, uh. If God draws you to himself, you've got no choice. And I pray that he's drawing all of us to himself. Jesus says, everyone that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Get this, you have acceptance by the highest court. You have acceptance by the God of the universe. You have acceptance by the Holy One and he will never, ever, ever reject you. No matter how many times you fall, no matter how many times you spit in his face, if you belong to him, he's gonna take you home. He's gonna take you back. That's the acceptance. That's the deep acceptance that you and I are looking for. Jesus or Jack. Jesus too, Jack nothing. Okay, number three, get me relaxed. That was a tie for our highest response. Jack will relax you so much that you can't walk. And it's temporary, right? Jesus says this. Jesus says this. He's what you're looking for. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me. You're invited. Uh, you're, you're implored. You're begged. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden. You got pressures in your life. You got stressors in your life. You need to relax. You come to me and I will give you rest. I've created you. I can hold you. I can give you rest when the whole world is coming against you. When everything is swirling around you. If you come to me. If you receive it. I will give you rest. He will make it so you can't walk. He will make it so you can be carried and rest regardless of what's going on. Regardless of what's going on. Whoops, Jesus three, Jack zip. Okay, number four, to escape the garbage and pressure of my life. Jack quite nicely provides the temporary illusion of escape from stress when in fact, Jack can't set you free from stress or what, what uh, he can't provide escape, only the temporary illusion of it. He can only hit the pause button. When that wears off, it is often, it is actually proven that when that stress reliever wears off, you have more stress because you've put off dealing with the cause of what is actually happening. What can Jesus do? What could Jesus do? John 8.36, Jesus says, so if the son, if I set you free, you will be free indeed. Complete freedom. Not forgetting for a moment that you're in prison, but dealing with the source of the thing that you want to escape from. Jesus is escape. Jesus is freedom. Now, regardless of what your circumstances are doing, Jesus says, if the son sets you free, you're out of prison, baby, all the way. Complete freedom. And that's what we're walking into. We're being continually set more and more free as we press in to Jesus Christ. It's looking like a shutout, friends. Okay, number five, to ease the pain of my life. Jack is anesthesia. Jack can't take away the pain. He just makes you not be able to feel it for a little bit. When we were first married, um, I had this habit of sleeping on my stomach with my arms crossed like this. Don't ask me why. Um, but if I went to sleep with my arm around tree, I'd, I'd like wake, wake up. And often what would happen is my entire arm from shoulder to fingertip would be like dead asleep. You know, pins and needles, you can't feel it. The problem was my alarm clock was on the top of a high dresser in another part of the bedroom. 
So it's going off well before Cherie needs to wake up. So I'm scooting out of bed like a, like a dolphin, <laughs> right? The problem is I can't get my arms on top of the dresser. I'm like swinging them like this. And I'm beating them on the side of the dresser trying to get them up there so I can, right? And I'm not feeling it at first. Then when the feeling came back, oh, she woke up. <laughs> Anesthesia does not take your pain away. It just deadens the sensation for a little while. That's what Jack can do. What could Jesus do? Luke 4, 18. Luke 4, 18. Jesus says this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, to spring out of every kind of prison those who are oppressed. He will not give you a sensation that your pain is alleviated. Jesus can heal. Jack five, Jesus five, Jack zero. Number six, Jesus or Jack to help me cope. Jack is incapable of giving you hope for a better tomorrow. What he does is make you forget that there is going to be a tomorrow. <laughs> Jesus says this in John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Bad things are gonna swirl about you. They are gonna come against you. But take heart, if you're in me, I have overcome the world. You're walking with one. You're filled with one who has already kicked the butt of everything you're going up against. Does that mean you're gonna win every game? Does that mean that you're gonna hit the lottery? Is that, no. It means no matter how bad things are get, you got me and I'm enough and I'm gonna take you home and ultimately I'm gonna show myself strong on your behalf. Amen. You're gonna have me and I will be enough for you. Period, end of story. When we choose Jack over Jesus, we choose to take Jack off the shelf and leave Jesus on the shelf. Do you understand? When we look for alcohol to do something for us that Jesus and Jesus alone should do, wants to do, can do for us. We have a Jesus substitute and the Bible calls that an idol. And it's a big deal. It's a huge issue. Jeremiah 2, 12 through 13. This is God speaking. He says, be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked, be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. He's, he's proclaiming this to the angels and the, and, the, and the inhabitants of heaven. This is an awful thing. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. They didn't choose me. They left me on the shelf, the fountain of living waters. I gave them a drink that would give them life, myself. What did they take off the shelf? They hewed out, they dug cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And his heart is broken because he has provided this resource, this blessing, this life. And his people left it on the shelf in, and chose God's substitutes. God substitutes. That's idolatry. Now, um, you might be saying, um, well, that's okay for me because I don't struggle with alcohol. Um, I'm not addicted to getting drunk. I can handle my, my alcohol. Yeah, okay. Okay. But what can't you handle? What, what can't you handle? Because deep, deep down, this is not about to drink or not to drink or how to drink or not to drink. This is about God substitutes. If you don't struggle with alcohol, what do you use as a God substitute? Nothing, nothing. We all do. Some of it is visible. Some of it's hidden. You can see mine. I wear it around my waist, Right? I go to food for comfort. I go to food for celebration. I go to food for filling. 
When, when Jesus wants to be my comfort, when Jesus wants to be my celebration, when Jesus wants to be my filling, does that mean food's bad? Absolutely not. What can't you handle? What's your Jesus substitute? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it's beautiful and socially accepted or if it's ugly and horrible. A God substitute is a God substitute. You can cover your calf with gold if, you, if you're familiar with the Old Testament. It doesn't matter how beautiful it looks. It's not the real deal. It doesn't matter whether it's, it, whether it's meth or merchandise or Merlot or mountain biking. It doesn't matter. If it's taking the place in your life that only Jesus should occupy, it's a God substitute. Even if it's a good thing, when we make it a God thing, it becomes a bad thing. And God says, this is, this is an evil that I want to set my people free from. And some of you, yeah, well, at least I don't beat people up. Yeah, well, at least I'm not a... It doesn't matter. A God substitute is a God substitute. First Corinthians, real quick, I'm going I'm to wrap this up and get you out of here. First Corinthians 16, 12 says this. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. I will not, Paul is saying, I will not be dominated by, I will not be controlled by, I will not be mastered by anything but the master. The only thing that I will give control of myself over to is not buying things, is not food, is not alcohol, is not drugs, is not recreation, is not you fill in the blank. The only thing to master me is the master. That's the path of life. Everything else is the path of death. Yeah, maybe with a grin on your face, but no joy in your heart and no life in your soul. That's what he's saying. Do not be mastered by anything but the master. Okay, okay, we're going to skip that. Okay, we're going to skip that too. Okay, so some of you are thinking, okay, I'm not going to get smashed anymore. I'm not going to go out. We're not going to have Wasted Wednesday. That's not the answer. That's not the answer. Biblical repentance is not a change of our behavior. Biblical repentance is a change of our God. You understand what I'm saying? Because if you white knuckle your behavior and just say, I'm going to change it, you are going to replace it with something else other than God. The only way for us to be transformed, the only way for us to be saved, the only way for us to be sanctified is to have a change of our God. The one that we give control to, the one that we serve, the one that we worship. And then when he comes in our hearts, you see, this is something that Christians, by and large, don't understand, is that we covered this a little bit last week, if you were with us, a passion that we have for something that is destructive does not go away. It must be overwhelmed and overcome by a greater passion. It's not that you love alcohol too much. It's that Jesus loved You haven't opened yourself up to it enough. You love Jesus too little. Destructive passions must be overwhelmed by greater passions. And so you and I must press into Jesus Christ until we receive his love to such a degree that he kindles in us a a love that overwhelms our destructive passions. Jesus is greater. And that's what we're talking about, that greater passion. Some of you are in this place. Come to church, hear God's word. I suck, okay? Because of the way I love, because of the way I drink, because of the way I blank. I want you to know that if that's where you stop, it's telling yourself how bad you are. The, the gospel never ends in that. When you're led to that, You have to preach the gospel better to yourself. You have to preach the gospel better to yourself throughout the day when those accusing thoughts say, you you worthless piece of junk, you failed again. You know what? Jesus went to the cross for all the times I'm ever gonna fail. And yes, 
I suck, you suck, he, she, it sucks. But in Christ, I am accepted. He has taken my sin. He has given me his righteousness, and I no longer have to be parked in this place. He sees me as his child. God sees me as spotless as he sees Jesus Christ in him. And I'm going to walk in that. I'm not going to stay mired in the I can't measure up world because the gospel never stops there. Jesus calls out to us one final time in John 7, 37 and 38. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out so that everybody, you and me included, would hear. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So it's not just a question of fire water versus living water. It's a question of whether or not you and I will have our deepest desires, our deepest needs filled by Jesus Christ or by a God substitute. Jesus is greater. I just pray that you and I and everybody within the sound of our voices, within the impact of our lives, won't go to the end trying to exhaust things that have never delivered on the promise, be they alcohol or whatever, before they come running home and get filled with life. Jesus desperately wants to be your drink that satisfies, your God that saves, your go-to, right? That's the choice. His arms are open wide. None of you are bad enough for his love not to be good enough. He's here. Not through my words, but through his words and his spirit. Make that choice. We're going we're gonna to sing. We sang prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That's us. But Jesus came to rest.